all you beautiful people. Welcome to the second episode of our podcast, You Are the Alchemist. I'm Amber Enerson. And I'm Kelsey Enerson. And today's topic is going to be on the everlasting debate between nature versus nurture. So nature is one of the things that is affecting our psychological state. And the debate has been about whether or not genetics is more influential or the environment that we grow in is more influential in our psychological state. And over the years, the debate has been pretty much nonstop since like ancient Greece times. But lately, the contemporary belief is that they actually both affect your psychological state in different and complex ways. And that the biological factors and genetic factors will actually be affected based on how the environment is built around it. So, for example, if a child is born to be a little more sensitive by nature and then their environment is with caregivers or adults that are not sensitive or have a lower level of sensitivity, then that environment is eventually going to create more resilience and strength within that child. So it actually is both of these things working together and they actually are dependent on each other to determine what the psychological state will be. So my question on that always was, so say you have two siblings, and one is born by nature to be more sensitive, and the other is not. So what determining factors makes that happen? So for that, that would be more like genetics and just what you're innately born with, because everyone has varying levels of sensitivity and varying levels of warmth, uh, stability, resilience, strength. Everyone has varying levels of that just at birth. And it's also how the DNA is read by your environment. So that is where epigenetics comes into, is that the type of environment that you grow up in is actually going to change how that genetic coding is read by your brain. And affect how your psychology and your behavior and all those things are actually working and are they're created. Oh, okay. So a kid can be born sensitive, but then based on the types of parents they have, they could either be taught to suppress those sensitive feelings or flower those sensitive feelings if the parents are sensitive. Yeah, definitely. But when it comes to like ultra sensitivity, it's also important that you don't continue to create the environment where they're not able to adapt later in life. So sometimes the ultra sensitivity, you can't be all the way at that spectrum. Like if a child is sensitive to socks, for instance, they're going to end up having a natural dislike for socks if you continue to accommodate their sensitivity to that sock, if that makes sense. So could there be a difference between a sensitivity to sock, or could that be something more on, like, the spectrum of autism? So when it comes to autism, that's actually one of the examples that was brought up in the study that I was looking at. Autism is actually genetic, whereas, or, like, it's more inheritable, whereas, like, depression is more environmental. Oh, okay. It's not as inheritable. So just because there's a parent 
that has depression, it doesn't mean that the child is going to have depression. But if you have a parent or both parents that are on the autism spectrum, they're actually going to be more inclined to also be on the spectrum as children. So it really depends on what other uh, like scenarios or what other attributes that person has that will determine whether it's the spectrum or if it's just a sensitivity to how the sock feels on their skin. Because there are children that are sometimes born with sensitivities to like material or they're born with sensitivities to like skincare products and different things like that. And that would be genetic. So then the sock, if they're sensitive to the way material feels on their skin, then that would be a genetic thing. But you can actually create an environment where they can build a sort of resilience or resistance to that sensitivity instead of just never wanting to wear socks. Okay, so we're going to go crazy away from the socks. We're going to get we're going to get deep here. Okay. All right, you ready? I'm ready. I I didn't prep you for this at all. I know. So say someone is born and this has been one of the biggest arguments, I think. Say someone is born and they just have that natural feeling to be a serial killer. Is that something that nurture can change? Um I don't know that it can necessarily change it because just because you have the impulse to be a serial killer doesn't mean that you're actually going to act on that impulse. But if you create an environment where that aggression and giving in those to those desires is encouraged or not discouraged, then that makes it more likely that that person will end up mm. acting on the serial killer impulses. So you, what you're saying is there's way more serial killers out there than we know of. They just haven't killed anyone because they were nurtured to not kill people. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I wonder if I'm one of those people. No, no. no. I don't have those urges. But it also has to do with, that brings me back to one of the other topics of this, it also has to do with how somebody reacts to the environment, even. Because your genetic predisposition will determine how you react to certain stressors, but the nurture or the environment will actually affect how the behaviors and actions continue to grow throughout the life. So say, for instance, you have someone who is born with impulses to be a serial killer. Then they grow up in an abusive home where that was acceptable and there was fear and uh, encouragement to that kind of reaction or to those impulses or something that would grow those impulses even more Then that serial killer or person with serial killer impulses would actually be more likely to develop into a serial killer later because it's not just your genetics, but your genetics determine how you react to your environment and then the environment either allows those genetics to keep going throughout your life or it will change your behaviors and your actions based on the environment that you grew up in. So say somebody with serial killer impulses grows up in a super nurturing, super loving home, it's less likely that they would ever act on those because their home life was so opposite of what a serial killer's natural tendencies are. So it's actually more determined by the messiness of the environment that the person grew up in or the messiness of 
different life experiences because life experiences is another huge part of psychological traits that will develop eventually within a person. So what are the chances of someone born with those predispositions that grow up in a nurturing and good environment that should turn them away from serial killing? What are the chances that that person would just be stubborn and fight against those and still give in to the serial killer urges? Well, I mean, anyone really could give in to those urges. Most of what creates the resistance to that is societal factors like imprisonment, if you get caught, or the way that society has developed to say that those things are not okay. Like, that is not an okay thing for people to do. So, I mean, but anyone really could have those urges and act on those urges at any point in time, even if they're not genetically predisposed to have that. And it also depends on if they meet someone in their life that does encourage those or that does seek those, or if they meet someone in their life that will allow it or show them how to do it or different factors and life experiences that they have that aren't related to their home life. Because it's not just your caregivers and parents. It's also what you deal with at school, what you deal with at work, what you deal with in the environment just around you in general. If you're surrounded by a violent environment, even if your home life is calm and loving and supportive, but you have a violent environment outside of there, then you're going to be more inclined to give in to violence because you have the influences around you that will allow that and will create that and will encourage that. Okay, say someone's born with those predispositions. They have an amazing family, amazing home life. They have tons of friends. They're popular, all-star of whatever sports they like. Just have a really cushy life. Completely different than all the shitty lives out there. they still act on their feet. Is that something where nature just be nurtured? It could also it could be something where nature just be nurture or it also could just be a decision that you're going to act on that. Like at at the very basis of everything, every single person has a choice. We have a choice in what actions we're going to take. We have a choice on if we're going to take another person's life or not. We have a choice on if we're going to show violence. We have a choice on if we're going to allow nurture to win or if we're going to or allow nature to win over nurture. At the very basis of all of it, same with other mental health conditions, like people can choose to get treatment for their mental health conditions or they can choose to live with them their, for their entire lives without any help. They can choose to seek out resources that will help them work through it or they can give in to whatever mental condition they're suffering with. It just, it really comes down to a choice. Nature and nurture doesn't determine, there's nothing that determines what choice will be made. Nature and nurture just kind of provides the inclination that Some a person pathways. may have. Yeah, it's like neural pathways. If they have a neural pathway that they activate and they follow and they commit a murder, 
and then that feels good to them, and they create more murders and more murders, then they're re- they're re- can't think of the word. They're, like, reigniting that pathway over and over and over again. So then that pathway ends up becoming habits, and it ends up becoming just what they do. Because we all have neural pathways that we can create. Like, often when you're going through mental health struggles and mental health conditions, part of recovering from that or seeking treatment from that is creating new neural pathways that teach you or that provide you with a path to choose a different direction. So, like, when you take medication for a mental illness, that's creating a new neural pathway because naturally you wouldn't be taking medication. And then when you continue to take that medication, you're reinforcing that neural pathway until it becomes second nature. All right. So, neural pathway, since you brought that up. Um, it also made me think of another thing I was thinking about, nature versus nurture. Because you can have, like, two kids that grow up in the same exact environment. Say, say, I mean, there's two different sides of it. Say you have wonderful parents, they love you, they take care of you, they try to provide education, <clears throat> open discussions. You could have two different kids in that household, and one's going to grow up feeling loved and you know, want to wanna better themselves and pursue dreams. But on the other side of that, you could have a kid that, you know, they get in the wrong group, they start messing with drugs, they become an addict, they, you know, they start doing very risky things, you know, they end up in prison or worse, you know. So that basically just has to do what, with what neural pathways were created during their life? It has to do with that, but it also has to do with the way that child is naturally prone to handling their environment. Because that, so nature is the way that a child is naturally prone. It's what you're born with. It's innate characteristics that determine how you're going to react to an environment. So, for instance, while one child has the nature of accepting that love and accepting that environment that they're in and feeling supported and feeling like they're on the right track, the other child could have innate characteristics that make them feel like that is not true. It's not the true intentions of the people around them. It can make them feel angry and resentful towards the people that gave them those things because it could come down to self-worth and worthiness and how they feel about themselves as a person. Or, like you said, they get into the wrong group, they get involved with drugs. So getting into the wrong group, that's also a form of nurture because your family is not the only people that are nurturing you. You're also being nurtured by peers, by teachers, by people around you. You're being nurtured by siblings, by anybody in your life who could have an influence over you. And if you get into the wrong group, And then you make the decisions that that wrong group is making because for whatever reason it makes you feel more real or more authentic or more true to yourself. Then you make those decisions and then that, with drugs specifically, it's a completely different thing because those drugs actually change your biological makeup. They Mm -hmm. actually change the way your brain works. 
And with drugs, mostly why people continue to do them is because it's actually a dopamine hit. Right, so, so it releases that, like, happy feeling for a minute. Yeah. yeah. And then if you consistently do it and consistently do it, then you have to keep taking more and more and more to get that happy feeling. Yeah. And dopamine is something that's created naturally. So if you're artificially creating the dopamine neuropathways, then you would have to have that, like your nature changes to need that because your body is no longer producing those things naturally because you created this other neural pathway where this is an artificial way to do this and we want this right now. We don't want to enforce other habits that could create that because it could be something as simple as say you finish an essay and you give yourself a piece of chocolate after you finish that essay. That's a reward system. It's your dopamine system and it's reinforcing that behavior. So, what a lot of it comes down to is which characteristic traits grew the strongest in the, like, development of the mind. Right. And then it also, and then where, where nurture comes in is how that nature reacts to their environment. Got it. Because a lot of times, like, you have who are born with higher tolerances to pain or higher tolerances to stress or a higher tolerance to uncomfortability or a higher tolerance to things that could destroy your self-worth. And then you have people that are neatly born with a lower tolerance to those things. So even if you have supportive parents and you have a great environment and you have a great life and you're encouraged and you're supported and you're loved, your body could still sense stress or create stress when you're outside of an environment that is not conducive to that. Because, like, in schools, most schools are not super loving and super supportive. Like, no, you have these tasks that you have to do. And if you don't do these tasks, then you're not doing what you should be doing and you're not going to be rewarded. Rewarded. So, basically, what it comes down to is whichever characteristic traits grow strongest in a kid is going to kind of determine what choices they're going to make. Possibly, yes. And a little, like, it, it just, it's all of it. It's their environment is going to determine what choices they make. Or right, but I'm saying, like, if to. they grow up in the same environment, like, and one is more geared towards anger, and one is geared more towards empathy, the empathetic one is more likely to not turn towards violence and drugs and things like that. Depending on the environment and their life experiences, because we can't forget the life experiences part, because a lot of that has to do with nature, nurture, all of it is also life experiences. Okay. So the people are around what we're born with and trauma and even brain chemistry is basically what determines our life. There's not one simple answer. No, not at all. <laughs> There's not one simple thing that can explain why we are the way that we are. It just, it really comes down to exploring it and getting to know yourself and becoming self-aware so that you do make the decisions that are going to be the best for you. And so you make the decisions that 
are going to really create the life that you want. And a lot of times when you're a kid, you're not really thinking about the life that you want later. But as you get into adulthood, it is important to recognize how those factors all combine to influence what you're going to do and how you're going to succeed and if you're going to succeed and if you're willing to take risks. But a lot of times as a kid, you're not really thinking about all of that stuff. I don't know. I don't think any of it's true. I think it's all based on our astrological signs. <laughs> I mean, I would put I would put some stock into astrological signs. I do agree with those as well. I'm kidding. I'm like, I'm so, uh, what's that word? Skeptical of all that. Like, I agree with some of it. Like, there's definitely some Taurus things that I can align with, but not all of them, for sure. Yeah, I think that also has to do with your rising signs and your moon sign and Mm -hmm. all your houses. It's not just what star you're born under. That's just way too much to keep track of. Just (laughs) wait, and then, like, you got the the star charts and the, I don't know, all those personality things you and Brooke do, your house numbers and, like, Jesus, just let it rest. Human design. We're just human. Just leave us alone. No, because then how do you create the life that you want? Listen, I have met a Taurus that is, like, basically the opposite of me. Well, I mean, it's an all-encompassing spectrum just like anything else oh my god you can't pinpoint (laughs) one type of person based on their birth date no possible no but if you if you include you know all the other astro signs and the houses and you include their psychological state and their mental state and their environment holy shit yeah see because like you could have a taurus and they're supposed to be this one way but i'm like what if something happened to them and they're just not a taurus anymore who decides what I don't know. I'm a Taurus, and I don't, like, match the description. Well, you don't have to match all of it. You definitely got some stubbornness. All right. This is supposed to be nature versus nurture. I'm going to nurture you later on Constant Christmas. (laughs) No, no, no. You can't tell me that because my nature believes in all of it. (laughs) So, you know, there's that thing going for us. All right. I have an open mind. I will say that. You got to. You got to. my sister and my wife are, you know, they're gung-ho about all this stuff. So it gets kind of annoying hearing me talk about it. Yeah, but that's why you're so useful. Because you keep us down to earth. So that we're not completely lost Yeah, but when it's two against one, I always lose. You guys don't listen to a damn word I say. (laughs) You're just like, oh, let me pull out my cards. I have 80,000 decks of cards. Let, let's figure out which one I want to pull today. Well, whatever you got to do, right? I don't want to know my future. It's scary. No. The future does not exist yet. You get to create it. And that's why nature All versus right, nurture Gandhi. is so important. I think we're done here, guys. Let's, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this more throughout the course of this podcast. But next week, we're going to focus a little bit more on the different factors that influence um, your mental state versus rather just nature versus nurture. Because there is so many parts of you that determine your mental state. So thanks for joining us today. And yeah, we'll see you. We'll hear. We'll. 
talk to you next time. We won't see or hear you. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>